to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. A reminder... If you have not nominated us in the Podcast Awards at podcastawards.com, you have until Sunday, July the 31st to do so. We're registered in the Best Male Hosted Podcast and Best Arts Podcast categories, so you can go to podcastawards.com and nominate the show today. Now let's get into this week's episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar, the original air date. February 2nd, 1954, and the title is The Paul Gorel Matter. This is the WBBM Air Theater, Wrigley Building, Chicago. WBBM FM, Chicago. Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, the refreshing, delicious treat that gives you chewing enjoyment, presents for your listening enjoyment John Lund as Johnny Dollar. George Post, Mr. Dollar. Did you have a good trip? Oh, yeah, a fine flight. It's good to change that New England weather for your Arizona sunshine. I uh, hey, uh, hope you feel that way after we've talked over this case. How much did they tell you in Hartford? Well, my getting out here in a hurry seemed to be more important than details. So all I know about the robbery is what broke in the papers. A $100,000 payroll stolen and two guards killed. Those are the basic points. The police have gotten no place with it in two days. But if you're willing to take one of the biggest gambles of your life, we may be able to crack it. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum bring you John Lund in another adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account, America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator, yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Friends, the makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum present these weekly adventures of Johnny Dollar because they know that millions of you enjoy Johnny Dollar. That's true of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum, too. It's enjoyed by millions day in and day out. People find that chewing on a smooth, delicious piece of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum somehow makes time pass more pleasantly. Whether you're working, driving, shopping, or just taking things easy, that good, tasty chewing gives you enjoyment and satisfaction. So always keep a package of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum handy. And whenever you want a refreshing, delicious treat, chew a stick. You'll like it. You really will. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Home Office, Plymouth Insurance Company, Hartford, Connecticut. The following is an accounting of expenditures during my investigation of the Paul Gorell matter. Expense account item one, $153. Airfare and incidentals between Hartford and Phoenix, Arizona. On the way from my hotel to the Plymouth offices... I noticed that the afternoon papers were front-paging a report of the local killing of an unidentified man. I learned shortly afterward that the murder had an important bearing on my own foreseeable future. The story about it was displayed prominently on the desk of George Post, 
Plymouth's chief adjuster in Phoenix when I got to his office. You say that all you know of this case is what you read in the Eastern papers? Yeah, that's right, and as you probably know, there weren't many details. Yes, being that far removed, of course. Here, it's been the worst crime in years. The killing of the two guards was needless. They weren't putting up a fight? No. They'd been disarmed with standing with their backs to the killer. They were shot down because they were potential identifying witnesses. Nobody else saw it? Yeah. Story in the lower right-hand corner. Oh, yeah, I saw the headlines on the way over. What about it? This uh, picture here, the dead man, Palovic. He was the only other witness. And the paper doesn't say anything about it? The papers don't know it, and the police don't know it. There were two men involved in the robbery. Palovic was one of them. Well, you must have some big reason to hold this kind of information from the police. I have. Palovic phoned me the morning after the robbery, and I met with him in secret that afternoon. He told me that he'd broken off with his partner in the affair, a man using the name of Paul Gorell. He said there'd been an agreement between them that there'd be no shooting, but that in spite of it, Gorell shot the guards down in cold blood. Well, did you ask him why he didn't go to the police if he was so interested in clearing himself of the killings? He said he was on parole, would face an automatic 20-year term if he went to them. What did he expect from you? Hmm, nothing. He said he'd been in trouble with the law most of his life, but that he'd never killed anybody. He claimed that all he wanted was to stop Gorell from enjoying what he termed that blood money. He told me where Gorell is and what his plans are. Is Gorell still in Phoenix? Yes. And I know what you're going to say. That you still think it's a job for the police. Well, with three murders to his credit, I sure do. We decided to try it our way because their plan was to mail the money out of the state. Palovic was sure that Gorell has already sent it, but didn't know where except that it was someplace in or near Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Any idea how he's going to try to get out of town? Yeah. It's one of those share-the-ride arrangements, you know, the kind that are advertised in the classified sections. This man is driving to Los Angeles and wanted passengers to share the expense and help with the driving. Both of them are going in the same car? Yeah. And since Palovic isn't going, there's room for me, huh? <laughs> That's what I meant when I mentioned you're taking a gamble. There's no doubt that Gorell is a completely ruthless killer. Now, will you go? Well, I don't like it for a lot of obvious reasons. But I wouldn't like a reputation for turning down cases, either. When do I leave? I understood why the company didn't want to involve the police. In their opinion, the chances were that more effort would be spent in apprehending the killer than in tracing down the money. But a big insurance company is one thing, and a private investigator working behind the law's back is another. And that was one thing I didn't like about the matter. Another that rang a little sour was Gorell's choice of getaway method. The police admittedly had no witnesses and therefore no description. Yet Gorell was avoiding public transportation. It made me wonder if somebody else could be looking for him. And still another thing. Gorell would be in control of the situation. I wouldn't. I couldn't even afford the luxury of a gun for fear the bulge would arouse suspicion. The owner of the car for the trip was a Mr. Bovey, and I phoned him from post's office. Have read it in today's paper, Mr. Dollar. I canceled my ad last evening. Well, I clipped the ad a day or so ago when it wasn't definite about my going to the coast. I hope you have room for me. Well, I, I'm afraid I don't. I already have two gentlemen and a lady. Well, but it's a sedan, isn't it? Five passenger? Yes, but five is too many. Uncomfortable for my people. You're uh, sure that all your people are still going? I haven't heard to the contrary. Well, you can't tell about people. 
Suppose we leave it this way. I'll come out to your house in the morning. If there's room for me, I'll go. If there isn't, I won't. Is that okay? Well, if you want to take a chance, but don't expect to crowd in. I know from experience five is too many. All right, Mr. Bovey. I'll see you in the morning, then. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. I suppose that was the only way to handle it. Uh, but how is Garrell going to react to your being there? No, I don't think it'll change things. A guy on his spot is going to be suspicious of everybody anyway. At nine the next morning, I arrived at Bovey's address in a Phoenix suburb. He left me in a seedy living room while he put his luggage in a car that was parked at the curb in front of the house. And a minute after he came back in, the doorbell rang and he let Garrell in. Just leave your luggage by the door, Mr. Garrell. Your friend, he's not with you. Father came up. Some business deal, so he couldn't come. But why didn't he let me know? Yes, he figured I would, because I made all the arrangements with you. All the time I thought he'd call. Well, Mr. Dollar, did you hear that? Yeah, looks like I'm in luck. Uh, uh, this is Mr. Garrell. How are you? Hi, how are you? Uh, Mr. Dollar came this morning just on the chance that this might happen, so there'd be room for him. What, that somebody wouldn't show up? <laughs> he must be psychic or something. Oh, no. Guy's got to get the brakes once in a while. Uh, well, you two get acquainted while I pack the luggage. You, uh, live here in Phoenix? No, I'm from the east. Connecticut. To travel all the way out here this way? I mean, in people's cars like this? Not, uh, all the way. Hmm. I think I'll go outside, see what's going on. I don't want Bobby scratching my bag up. Nothing except two cold blue eyes that moved around too much would have given him away for what he was. The rest of his makeup, thin triangular face, blonde hair, and slightly stooped figure, would have made him unnoticed in any company. By the time I followed him outside, the fourth member of our party had arrived. She was a not unattractive brunette wearing Harlequin sunglasses that made her look frightened. I wondered how she'd look if she knew who her traveling companions were. This is Miss Shelton and Mr. Dollar. Miss Shelton? Hi. We're all loaded. All right, then we're ready. Now, how shall we arrange? How you sit? Does anyone care? Yeah, uh, why don't I take my turn driving first? I drove a cab for a while, and I know some quick ways out of town. Well, that's fine. Miss Shelton, will you sit in the back with Mr. Dollar? I, I like to ride in front in my own car. It's all right with me. Thank you, Mr. Dollar. The... Starters right there, Mr. Gorell. Yeah, I got it. Well, now, I'd say we got a nice early start. Which way are you going, Mr. Gorell? North on Mission Drive? That's right. I turn off on Northern and hit the highway. Miss that long stretch of traffic out towards Peoria. Yes, but now, this is out of the way. It just seems like it. You leave it to me. I know this town like a book. Whether Garrell was missing some roadblocks that I knew nothing about, I couldn't be sure. But I wasn't sure his back road way out of town was working either. As we pulled away from Bovey's house, I glanced up the block and saw a green coupe nose into the street behind us. You know this neighborhood, Dollar? No, never been through it. Why? 
The way you were looking around, as if you were trying to spot an old landmark or something. Well, just trying to memorize my way back in case you get lost. You don't trust me? You want I should pull over so you can drive? Please, Mr. Gorell, he didn't mean anything like that. He was only making a joke. What's the matter with him to get sore about a thing like that? What did you say, lady? I didn't quite catch it. You weren't supposed to catch it. I must say, this trip is off to a dandy start with you snapping everybody's head off. Please, please, please. There's no reason for it to be unpleasant. We've got a long way to go. That evening, with Bovie driving, we were approaching Blythe on the California border when the car began to heat up. By the time we found a garage on the outskirts of town, it was almost dark. The report from the mechanic was that the water pump had gone, that he couldn't get a replacement until morning. I expected an outburst from Gorell because of the delay, and I was surprised at his reaction to Bovey's apology. Oh, I, I just don't know what to say. I had the car gone over yesterday, and they told me everything was fine. It's not your fault, Mr. Bovey. Nobody could see inside that pump. Oh, but I'm so sorry about the delay. Nobody's worried about me. For me, I'm glad it happened. I had enough of the road. And I could use a good night's sleep. Well, I, I don't feel so bad then. The mechanic said the motor court in the next block is a nice place. Shall we go look at it? Why not? Well. All right, come along then. Wait a minute. What, what's what the matter? Mr. Gorell? Make it on the inside. I can't let them see me. He wanted to run as the green coupe slowly came abreast of us, but he didn't. I expected gunfire, but none came. Only the beam of a flashlight that held briefly on Gorell and then snapped off. I spotted two men in the coupe as it rolled away from us. Then I turned with Bovey and the girl to see how Gorell would explain himself. Sorry. I thought it was somebody I knew. Somebody I... Didn't feel like talking to just now. He didn't realize how lame the excuse was. I didn't think the others saw it, but from where I stood, I watched his hands streak for the automatic he wore under his arm. It was an instinctive move that he wasn't even aware of making. But from a man who had been relaxed and confident of a getaway, he'd turned back into an unpredictable killer. Friends, Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum is a refreshing, delicious treat you can enjoy just about any time. Even when you're busy working, you can slip a stick of Wrigley's Spearmint in your mouth and enjoy that pleasant chewing. The lively, full-bodied spearmint flavor cools your mouth and freshens your taste. The good, smooth chewing helps relieve pent-up tension, gives you satisfaction. As a result, you seem to feel more relaxed and get more enjoyment out of what you're doing. So enjoy chewing Wrigley's Spearmint Gum while you work, and at other times, too. Get a few packages next time you're at the store. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. And now, with our star, John Lund, we bring you the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
I wanted to report the whole thing to the local police. If I had, I might have prevented a lot of trouble. But I didn't. We checked into the motor court, and about 20 minutes later, Garrell showed up at my room. Has Bobby been to see you? Why, no. The Dane? No. I figured they might on account of that performance I put on out there. If the truth is, I, uh, I got in some trouble in Phoenix, and uh, my, my nerves aren't so good. That's okay. I'm not curious. Yeah, well, I, I didn't want you to think I'm nuts or anything like that. I, I thought maybe you could tell the others. See, I, I wouldn't want Bobby to dump me out of the trip. I haven't got enough to get to L.A. any other way. But look at this wallet. See? A single and one fin. That's my stake. Mm, that's running pretty close. I wish I could help you out. No, but... no, I'm not making a touch. I can scrape up some when I hit L.A., but... Uh, well, I, I'd like it if you told the others. It's up to you. Yeah, you see, I uh, got into a card game with these two guys in Phoenix. I was drinking. I let the stakes get higher than I should have, and I lost more than I could pay. So uh, I ran out on them. Those were the men that drove by? Yeah, I'm pretty sure they were. Well, if they followed you this far, don't you think they'll follow you the rest of the way? I don't know. Say, uh, you got uh, anything lined up out there? Oh, nothing definite. Why? Well, if they're still on me, maybe I could use some help getting things uh, straightened out, you know? I'd uh, make it worth your while. What kind of help? We'll see how things stack up when we get there. <laughs> Anybody that travels like this could use a few extra bucks. You can't kid me there. Yeah, that's right. Okay, you tell Bovey and the dame what I said. And then maybe you and me can give each other a hand. Maybe. Well, I'll see you in the morning. I hear we're going to get an early start. It was about 4 p.m. when the share of the ride trip ended on a street corner in downtown Los Angeles. Bovey drove away, the Shelton girl disappeared in the crowds, and Garrell and I took a cab. The Prince Hotel on Spring Street. Right. Get in, Dollar. And here's how it is. Before I left Phoenix, I shipped some of my stuff. Clothes, personal papers, and some cash that I didn't want to carry. You know, you can't tell what kind of people you're going to run into, travel and share the ride like we did. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's right. Now, you see, if I get that suitcase, I can pay off, and, and these guys will have to leave me alone. But uh, the way things are, I got an idea they'd beat my head off if they caught up with me. So it would... Uh, be worth uh, 25 bucks if you go get that suitcase and bring it to me. Oh, that sounds simple enough. I figured his pitch was based on desperation rather than stupidity. He knew he was still being followed or he never would have trusted a stranger with $100,000 that had already been worth three killings. And his letting me get this close to it made me wonder whether the fourth killing wasn't already in his mind. We both checked into the Prince Hotel, and in his room, he gave me the express receipt I'd need to pick up the suitcase. I left him and made my first stop at a phone booth. I called the police, told them my story, and arranged to meet a plainclothes sergeant from Homicide a block away from the express office. Your name, Dollar? That's right. I'm Sergeant Mason. I don't know what to make of this story of yours. Well, that's just why I asked if you could meet me. I want you on hand when I deliver that suitcase. How come you didn't check with the Phoenix boys before you left? The 
like to stick your neck out, or you got some other reason? I told the lieutenant it was the company's idea, not mine. Ah. You got some identification? Yeah. Uh, here you are. Hmm. Yeah, okay, darling. But I don't go for you private boys that play at Lone Wolf till it gets too hot and then yell for us. I'll go along because I've been ordered to. But don't think I'm eager. Hmm. I gathered that. I took delivery of the suitcase without a hitch. Sergeant Mason was waiting halfway down the block when I came out with it. He trailed me back to the Prince Hotel and waited while I went ahead into the lobby. I got to Garrell's floor and, when the sergeant was a few steps behind me, knocked on the door. Garrell? Garrell? It's Dollar. should try the door. I'll take a look in there. Well, his stuff's still here. There's no sign of a struggle. No sign of anything. You have any idea how empty the story of yours sounds, Dollar? Yeah, yeah, I suppose it does. But how about coming to my room? We'll get this suitcase open. Not with me there. If you'd played it level with the Phoenix police and we had a go-ahead from them, yes. But I've got no right to break into somebody's personal property on your say-so. You're leaving? That's right. And if your story's true, I feel sorry for you. I'd hate to be playing it alone. But officially, you've given me nothing but a trip across town and some talk. i got to have witnesses and evidence to work with. If you come up with some, just call the department. I hope the company will remember Sergeant Mason's procedure the next time there's a choice between working with the police or without them. He had every right to walk out, and when he did, this is what he left me with. A, the obvious possibilities involving the suitcase and whoever was after it, and B, the fact that returning to Phoenix with the money and without Garrell would put me in the light of aiding and abetting the escape of a murderer. It was then six o'clock. I checked Garrell's suitcase at a bus station a short distance away. Then I grabbed a quick sandwich and went back to my room to wait. At a quarter of eight, there was a knock on my door. Aren't you going to invite me in? Oh, oh, sure. Sorry. You knocked me off balance a little. Come on in, Miss Sheldon. Thank you. I, uh... Don't suppose there'd be a chance that you'd just listen to me without asking any questions and then do what I tell you to. What would you tell me to do? Pack up and get out of here. Out of town would be better. Why? Because without knowing it, you've got yourself mixed up with some bad people. Who do you mean, Garrell? Yeah. What about him? I didn't realize you knew him. I don't. I mean, I didn't. Look, do you have to ask questions? Well, I'm sure not going to pack up and move out of here just because you show up with some crazy talk about bad people. Well, it's true. Gorel was trying to use you to save his own skin. Did you go after a suitcase for him? Yeah, but I didn't get it to him. He wasn't in his room when I got back. I know that. Some men came after him. The same ones that we saw in Blythe. They might have killed him by now. And they're liable to kill you, too. 
Where did you get all this? Just believe me that it's true and get out of here. I can't say anymore. It's Garrell. Don't let him in. Please. I'll be right there. You get in there. Yeah. What happened to you? Got away from him. Came from my suitcase. Got away. Garrell. Is he dead? No, not yet. Get my coat off the bed so I can stretch him out. Now, maybe you'll believe me. I gotta get out of here. Oh, no, you don't. Look, I didn't have to come here to warn you. I was trying to do you a favor. Is this what I get for it? I'm sorry, but I can't let you go. Not with a man dying of gunshot wounds in my room. I've got to have some answers for the police. And it looks like you're the only one can give them to me. I was roped into it like you. I didn't know what it was all about. But you do now? Yeah, and I don't want any part of it. Two guys I knew in Phoenix paid me $200 to take the trip from Phoenix and follow Garrell when we got here. I was broke, and they said it was only a gag of some kind, so I took him up on it. Those are the two guys in the coupe? Yeah. Then when they got Garrell tonight, and I heard them talking about robbery and killing, it began to catch on. They were the ones that pulled that payroll robbery in Phoenix. You didn't know till then? I sure didn't. Look, I'm no angel, but I'd never have anything to do with this kind of business. Now, what's the rest of it? Well, there were four of them that planned it, but Garrell tried to get away with the money by himself. They, they mentioned something about a phone call from somebody named uh, Pulavik. Well, that's all I know. Uh-huh. When they had Garrell tonight, they were trying to find out where the suitcase was? Yeah, that's right. They were hitting him and saying they'd kill him, but all he'd say was that somebody else had it. I figured it was you, and that's why I came. I tried to help you. Now, how about it? Can I go? Yeah. And you'd better take the same advice you gave me. Go and keep going. You know too much about this mess. After she left, I called Sergeant Mason in the emergency hospital. Garrell was still unconscious when I opened the door about 15 minutes later. I assumed it would be Mason, but it wasn't. Back in the room, Dollar. I've got you. Is he dead? He's close to it. Did that uh, automatic put him where he is? Stay out of what's none of your business and you won't get some of the same. Garrell made it my business. He talked before he passed out. That's too bad. Did he tell you he chalked up another killing to his credit tonight? Oh, I guess he forgot that. The one who came with you from Phoenix? A friend of mine. I've lost two of them over this, so don't you try to play it smart. You know what I'm here for. You can look the place over. You won't find the suitcase. You picked it up. Where is it? Look in the top right drawer of the bureau. Why? Go ahead. You'll find a claim check in there. Nobody can get the suitcase without it. This don't say where it is. Where did you leave it? It's in a bus station. If you leave by the rear door, you go down the alley to the... You keep quiet. Quiet. Harris! Shut up, I'll get you! No, 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 no
Come on in, Sergeant. God, I've been knocking. Why didn't you answer? Huh? Which one's which? That's Corral on the bed. Yeah. I guess he won't live long enough to profit by this. And I hope you will. What? No matter what side of the law you're on, it don't pay to play at lone wolf like he was and like you were. Level with the police next time, huh? Yeah, I'll remember that. Expense account item two, $63.80. Miscellaneous between Los Angeles and Phoenix. Item three, same as item one, transportation back to Hartford. Expense account total, $369.80. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar. Remember, friends, Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum is a refreshing, delicious treat you can enjoy just about any time. Chew a few sticks of Wrigley's Spearmint during the day and see how the good chewing helps keep you feeling fresh and alert. The lively, full-bodied flavor of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum cools your mouth, freshens your taste, and sweetens your breath. The chewing itself gives you a nice little boost, helps you keep going at your best. Millions of people get real chewing enjoyment out of Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. And we know that you'll enjoy it, too. Get a few packages and always keep some handy. That's Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum. Healthful, refreshing, delicious. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, brought to you by Wrigley Spearmint Chewing Gum, stars John Lund in the title role and was written by Gil Dowd with music by Eddie Dunstetter. Featured in tonight's cast were James McCallion, Parley Bear, Jack Edwards, Jane Webb, Jack Moyles, and Tom Tully. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. The makers of Wrigley's Spearmint Chewing Gum hope you enjoyed tonight's story of Johnny Dollar and that you're enjoying delicious Wrigley's Spearmint Gum every day. This is Charles Lyon inviting you to join us again next week at the same time when from Hollywood, John Lund returns as yours truly, Johnny Dollar. This is the CBS Radio Network. Welcome back. This uh, is one of those John Lund episodes that I really had a strong uh, memory of because it had a really interesting premise. I've listened to literally thousands of episodes of detective programs, and I've never heard this idea of a criminal making a getaway using a uh, share the ride. That is clever, you know, as long as you're not super hot in terms of the police being on your trail and them setting up roadblocks in and out of town and your picture being plastered all over the news, 
that's, you know, a pretty good way to escape. And of course, Johnny takes a big risk in following him. And there's a lot of twists and turns that occur. And it feels like he's a little less in control of the situation and in more danger, which I think makes it a more suspenseful and more interesting episode. Of course, the episode does remind us that if you are in suspense about your survival slash freedom, that can often be the result of doing something that is very ill-advised. And our man on the LAPD is more than happy to point that out to Johnny. Of course, Johnny's not the one who needs to know this. He knew that this was a bad idea. And he only did it because the insurance company insisted on it. And Johnny is kind of almost passively, aggressively passing on the lecture to the insurance company. And I hope you will think about this the next time you have this sort of stupid idea of not telling the police. Now, of course, Johnny does have a real conflict here that he states pretty openly because he's uh, an independent insurance investigator, so he kind of relies on having a reputation uh, for being flexible and cooperative and taking cases. Then again, there's the risk of having a reputation for being a soft touch for taking on every stupid idea from insurance company executives who have never had any practical experience in law enforcement or uh, doing investigations. One kind of good middle ground solution would be to say, well, what you've proposed is incredibly uh, dangerous, and in my opinion, it is ill-advised. However, I will proceed on the assignment if you will go ahead and sign uh, this agreement to reimburse for anything going wrong. And, you know, they'd look through it, they'd say 20000 you know, for, you know, this is uh, 1954, 20,000 in the event of death, 1,000 per week in the event of hospitalization, legal defense. Then they look down and say, $100 lecture? Well, what's lecture? Oh, yeah, you have to pay $100 every time I get lectured by a policeman. So for each policeman who lectures you, you have to give you 100. No, 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 no. I want it to be per lecture. Because, you see, this thing that you're asking me to do is so ill-advised that the same policeman's going to give me multiple lectures, I'm sure, if uh, this goes wrong. So just go ahead and sign here. And maybe they might think, you know, maybe this is not as good an idea because there's, uh, you know, risk to the insurance company. And it's not just uh, the risk to Johnny Dollar's life, which that company probably doesn't have the policy. In all seriousness, though, I do like the idea because I think it adds a little depth of realism to Johnny's job and the, you know, tension that uh, could arise. And I thought it was an interesting idea of... Uh, drawing the parallel between Johnny and Gorel as people on two different sides of the law who each decided to play the lone wolf. And I kind of wondered, would he uh, uh, agree to do this uh, exact sort of thing again 
uh, given what happened. Again, this is one of my favorite episodes of this era, and I, I hope that you enjoyed it. All right, well, now let's go ahead and thank our Patreon supporter of the day. Thank you to Greg, Patreon supporter since April of 2020, currently supporting us at the Seamus level of $4 or more per month. Again, thanks so much for your support, Greg. And that will actually do it for today. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to rate and review it wherever you download your podcast from. And remember, uh, you can nominate us for Best Male Hosted or Best Entertainment uh, Podcast, or both, at podcastawards.com before Sunday, July 31st. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar. But join us back here tomorrow for Tales of the Texas Rangers, where... Yeah, I got my key. That's funny. What's the matter, Blazer? Key doesn't seem to fit. Well, you sure it's the right one? Yeah, I... Hey, this isn't the same lock on here. What? Well, there was a master padlock on here before. Now it's just a cheap one from a dime store, looks like. That's strange. Who'd want to switch locks? Why? I don't know. Somebody must have been snooping around up here. Wait. Piece of iron bar line over here. See if I can try that lock on. It's a fairly new lock by the look of it. Yeah. Okay, let's open her up. Yeah, I got the flashlight. I better go first. Okay, weapon. Wet in here. Yeah. These drifts collect a lot of moisture when the mine's not in use. Please look. What's the matter, Wilton? Look, they're on the ground in front of us. Holy smoke, a skeleton. The clothes just about all rotted away. And a, a different padlock on the entrance. Looks like somebody didn't want this skeleton found, Wilton. Yeah, and if you'll take a look at the skull, you'll see why. Hey, it's all bashed in. It sure is. The club or a rock by the look of it. Yeah. Whoever that was. I hope you'll be with us then. In the meantime, do send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and check us out on Instagram, instagram.com slash greatdetectives. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.